Welcome to the Dwell on Truth show. I'm Brenton Powers, and on today's episode, we are continuing with the second half of our visit to the Flight 1080 show, pre-recorded, so don't call in. And I'm just going to give a trigger warning for Christians who get offended when atheists try to attack the Christian faith. They're going to try every tactic that we don't have time to respond to, but I hope that the patience and respect that Daniel and I showed will be good an example to you as it was to the callers when we did the show back Back in July. You're listening to KSCO, serving Van Lomond, Pallone, and Santa Rita. All right, so we are back. We're hanging out with Timothy Walton, uh, Brenton Powers, and Daniel Bodwin. Gentlemen, you have a website I know um, I often refer people to, but I get what OACNorCal.org. OACNorCal.org. Yep. Yes, sir. Okay. It stands for Open Air Campaigners, Northern California. Um, so I, I want to mention this. Now, the conversation's great, dude, and I want to keep the flow of the show going because I think that benefits more people because this is a great conversation. So uh, this has just been um, great. So uh, let's see who's up next. Can we get your first name and where you're calling from? How's it going? It's Alex. Hey, Alex. Yeah, uh, kind of disheartened from hearing what Timothy is saying. When you want to prove whether Christianity is real or not, you can just look at the media and how they make mockeries of Jesus and God. And you can see and look at the Grammys a few years ago where they did a mockery of the Last Supper of Christ where they had a bunch of women and some with cut-off breasts and this and that. And you see how they do constant things like that all day. And when you have someone like Timothy that wants to, is almost taking the, he reads the Bible and he he plays the part of Christianity, but he's actually new age. And it kind of makes no, you no, wonder, no. What, is, what is your motivation? Why are you, your way of thinking? Can you answer me that and not kick me off, please, Dave? I, right, want, Alex, I want an answer. Okay, Absolutely. hang in there. I am not a Christian. I am not New Age. I am an atheist. I don't believe in supernatural deities of any kind. And my motivation is to hopefully reduce the influence of evangelical Christianity on the Republican Party and ultimately government policies and law. So your main motivation is to reduce the influence of the Christianity of the Republican Party? Yes. I don't think that people should be passing laws because God told them to. I don't think think that your gay friends should be stoned to death. But that's what the Bible says. So your main basis is to get dilute and get rid of the Republican Christian I mean do no, I don't want to get rid of them I just don't want them to make I mean, policy based on the Bible what should policy be based on then policy well, should should be based upon that's a good question thank, yeah. thank you for the call Alex it is possible for humans to exercise intellectual rigor without resorting to an ancient text. And the founders of this country were able to put together the Constitution without reference to um, any particular religion of any kind and without reliance upon the Bible in particular. 
they actually relied very heavily on the Bible in particular. They may not have all been on the same of the same denomination, mm-hmm. and you know the the talk about separation of church and state has to do with state funded denominations, right? Not keeping religion out of politics. I don't have a problem with people mm-hmm. of faith running for office. I, mm-hmm. I have a problem with people trying to make the rest of us follow their faith. You mean like legislating morality? Yes, exactly. Every law legislates someone's morality. It's just a matter of whose. Every law legislates morality of some type. Otherwise, it's just despotism. It's somebody trying to push their personal preferences. You want to push your morality. But there has to be some moral principle under every law. What's the moral principle behind requiring that automobile drivers carry liability insurance? It has to do with protecting other people. There's the the Bible, the Old Testament actually talks about liability. It talks about, you know, putting a parapet around the, the roof of your house so that people that are there won't fall off. It's talking about if, you know, something happens, you know, if, if you break into somebody's house and steal, then you have to give back twice as much. It has, it has all kinds of laws about personal liability because, I mean, when the, the, much of the Old Testament was written, it was, a, you know, the land of Israel was a theocracy, you know, run government by God through the priesthood. So there were very specific laws there dealing with those things. Yeah, but um, they weren't dealing with automobiles insurance no of course not those are those are modern things but once again there's every law has to have a moral underpinning to it mm-hmm. the question is what is your source of morality is it something that is absolute or is it something that's personal preference the, I mean, the internal revenue code is not based upon rea- morality of course it is people have a responsibility to support government in the Old Testament it was the the um israel the uh, israelites government and it all went through the temple you know so people were supposed to give to the temple but of course you know if we have if we are taking advantages from the government you know and and, and if it's the irs then it should primarily be things like uh, national defense then we have a obligation to take part in that to support that so yes every law has some kind of moral i i would challenge offshore you to- tax shelters is uh, an exercise in morality? Well, there are some laws that are exercises in immorality. Oh, Once yeah. again, there is a difference between right law and there is law, of course, that is that is uh, that is wrong. But the the thing is that there is still a basis for that. It's not just random. People aren't just deciding. Well, I'll put this law into place for whatever reason. The law, the purpose of law, ideally, it should be with a moral underpinning to it, with the uh, purpose of, of protecting people and upholding society. And yes, of course, there's always going to be people that are going to do things like off- offshore tax shelters for their own benefit. That's one of the problems. But, but in principle, still, every law should have a moral underpinning to it. All right, let's get out to the phone lines. Scott, thank you for your phone call. Hi, guys. Hi, Scott. Hi, I appreciate it. You guys are doing an awesome job weighing your points. But for me and many other people I know, the bottom line is um, faith and spirituality can't be explained scientifically. It's something in the heart. It's something, um, you know, that really keeps society on track. And that's where 
thing merge the gray area in politics. You know, we have to have morals. Um, otherwise, people misbehave and it becomes just, uh, you know, a ghetto out there. We see stuff happening in our culture today, and it's mostly because people are, are morally bankrupt. They don't believe in God and they don't have faith. Is that a cat in the Anyway, that's about what I have to say, and I'll, I'll hear you guys on the other end. Thank you for the call, Scott. Gentlemen. I think he was making a good point that uh, when we deny God's existence, which is evident to everybody, it reveals a moral bankruptcy within ourselves, and it, it removes the foundation for much of Western society that we have taken for granted and we haven't defended well, and thus we have these kind of different belief systems that are subjective that are vying for our approval. Yeah. It comes down to, once again, if there is no God, it comes down to personal preference and exercise of power. And there's a huge power struggle going on within our country right now. Who's to say what's right and wrong? Yeah. I believe God has the ultimate authority on that. Indeed. Well, I I wish that he were doling out his justice, but I don't see it. The day will come, my friend. The day will come. Okay. Um, Yeah, Paul thought it was in his lifetime, but I guess he was Mm -hmm. wrong about that. Well, Scripture speaks to that. What do you think about other religions what do you think about um sikhs and buddhists and hindus i think they're very sweet people and i love talking to every one of them and i believe that when it comes to their faith they're wrong i mean you believe when we come to our faith are you okay with them making policy well policy's got to come from somewhere it comes to people voting based on their conscience and often their conscience is based on their religious faith People are going to make decisions. I mean, you can't separate your philosophical worldview. I mean, you may not have a religion, but you do have a philosophical worldview. Agreed. And you're going to vote based on that philosophical worldview. So am I. So is the Sikh. So is the Muslim. So is the Buddhist. So as a Christian, I want everybody to have the correct philosophical worldview. So I'm, you know, Brenton and I are going out and preaching the gospel. That doesn't mean we hate anybody that disagrees with us but yeah of course they're gonna they're gonna make decisions and they're gonna vote based on based on their religious faith we expect that dan in pacific grove you're in the air good afternoon gentlemen uh hey i thank all of you for providing a great example of a how to carry on uh disagreement engage in disagreement in a civilized way it's sadly that's not so common these days so great example i appreciate that and a fascinating discussion I'm enjoying this. I would like to throw yeah. a thought in. I do agree with the proposition that, yeah, law is based on mor- morality, and yes, we do legislate morality, and also that proposition that uh, uh, the issue on the table for all of us to weigh in on, preferably, is uh, what is the morality. Yes. I had some encounter years ago in a management position in the Middle East dealing with the Sharia law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are reasonable people every place I've been and unreasonable people travel quite a bit. I'll just throw this in as a footnote. I, I would not cite the IRS uh, and morality in the same sentence. It's a very perverse expression of morality. <laughs> no <laughs> argument there. I don't think any of us would disagree. Thank you for the that. call, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. 479-1082-185726. Well, we're heading up to the top of the hour, you guys. We have one hour left. This has been fascinating. I, I've just, I'm having so much, I don't know, uh, fun is is the word I'm going to use, but it's, it's so stimulating to me. I love I love to think about these things. I, I just I love it. I'm having Good. fun. Yeah, me too. 
Good. Yeah, Me we too. Are as well. And I just I just do want to echo what he said because I'm probably not going to be here for most of the third hour. I have an, I have another obligation. But thank you, Timothy, again for your respect in dealing with us, and it really does make this kind of discussion I think profitable. And uh, that's not always the case on the street, and it should be, but it isn't. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Daniel, for joining us. And Brenton, are you going to stick Absolutely. around for the third hour? Yeah, I'll be here. Okay, good. Okay, so let's give out your website one more time so that people can find out how to help you. Yes, oacnorcal.org. That stands for Open Air Campaigners in Northern California. What kind of work do you do? We are open air preachers, and we are sharing the good news about Jesus Christ out on the streets, near the beaches, at parks. I'll come alongside churches and help equip them to uh, share their faith. Mm-hmm. We do our own radio show on Sundays here on KSCO, 11 till noon, every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday morning, Dwell on Truth. Yep, Dwell on Truth show. You can also get those podcasts in any podcast player by searching for Dwell on Truth with Brenton Powers. And Dan's my co-host. Yes. I, I made sure to subscribe so they get a, a notification every time you guys put a new um, show up. Cool. So I like listening. Yeah. To you're listening to KSCO, serving freedom, Hunter Liggetts, and James Bird. All right, we're back. You're listening to AM 1080 KSCO Santa Cruz. Flight 1080 is in the air. We're hanging out today with... Uh, Timothy Walton, who's joining us in studio. How are you doing, Timothy? Hey, I'm all right. Okay, and then on the other end, we have Brenton Powers. So we want to thank Daniel Bodwin, too, for joining us for the previous hour. So here we are, Brenton, just you and I and Timothy. Where should we start off this this hour? I guess um, my question for Brenton right now off the bat would be, um, how far does your respect for other religious beliefs extend um for example the satanic temple is um attempting to make a point by encouraging the erection of statues of baphomet in response to attempts by christian groups to erect crosses on public lands are you on board with that That's an interesting question. Um, I have a sister who is an atheist, and she uh, is recording her second album with uh, what the drummer is a Satanist, and she's she's done an episode on her her vlog about Satanism. Um, there's different kinds of Satanists. Sure. Uh, the the ones that are trying to uh, erect statues to Bohemoth, as you mentioned, they are more making a mockery. I'm mm-hmm. I'm all for people's religious expression of what they truly believe, and we have the rights in America for the government not to impose upon us any one particular religion or denomination. And Satanism is recognized as a religion, so is atheism. Um, and so you have you have the right to believe what you want about your religion on this on this uh, in this country. Um, but that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it true. And even the atheists that are pushing things like this, I don't think they really believe it. But they are playing into Satan's hand in an indirect way. You know, Satanists don't believe in Satan. They believe in themselves. And they're just trying to be uh, trolls. So 
I don't think it's a good idea to take down crosses and put up satanic statues. Well, they're not saying take down the crosses. Um, they're saying that if the crosses are going to be there, then they want additional representation of other beliefs. And ultimately, they're getting. They want to take down the crosses. Yes. They don't really want the their the Satan or behemoth to be erected. They really are just trying to say, okay, let's take down everything. Right. Right. Because a lot of them are just atheists that don't believe in even the flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> right. So it's just uh, trolling. So I think you should respect people's sincerely held religious beliefs. Um. Well, you're not opposed to satire, I, I assume. No, I love the Babylon Bee. You ever, you ever read those articles? No, I haven't seen or that. Or see their videos? It's a Christian satire uh, channel. And yeah, you you might be fascinated by some of those articles. Dave, have you read the Babylon Bee? I check it out every now and then, yes. Most of those yeah. stories, are they're satire, right? So they're, they're yeah, not true, yeah. Exactly. Like the onion or something? Yeah, like the onion, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like the Christian onion. <laughs> Elon, Musk, Elon Musk uh, loved the Babylon Bee and he went and did an interview with them. Really? Yeah. Oh. So um, I have a text. Well, you know what? Let's get to a phone call, yes? Let's okay. get to a phone call. Uh, Billy Sunshine, thank you for joining us, sir. You are in the air. Hi. First of all, Timothy, you, you do a much better job than I could do at this. Um, a couple of things. Kind of you to say. I'm not kind, I'm correct. That's the difference. <laughs> Atheists tell the truth based on evidence, you know. Um, one of the things that upsets me uh, is that I keep getting insulted by I get honored by you guys on the one hand because I'm brave enough, you know, to not have to say, I love Jesus, and, you know, even though I know I won't go to heaven. So I appreciate that part of it. But the fact that you don't think that atheists have morality, that you have some sort of corner on morality, I find that a little insulting. A couple of things. How do you feel about homosexuals getting married? Is that okay? Is Jesus' love include that, or does the Bible say no? Quick answer, please. Hmm. We've got a couple other things. Um, well, I wouldn't define it as marriage. Marriage is defined as one man yeah, and one woman okay. for life. So, okay, good. Um, how about women? Uh, are women entitled to have control of their own bodies, or should you? I do not control any woman's body, not even my wife. Uh, okay. And, um, baby in the womb is not her body. To If, if it's the yeah, my body, okay. my choice. Great. You, you can't sort of get the, take care of the baby unless you honor the woman, but you don't. Okay. Now, we do honor sincerely the held beliefs. More than you. Sincerely held beliefs. Uh, there's Muslims with sincerely held beliefs that I should die because I'm a heathen. You really think I should respect that, or you for that matter? Well, they have the right to vote in our country too, don't they? You, I should respect the sincerely held belief by the Muslims that are beheading people? I don't think he's talking about American Muslims. No, I'm, no, I'm not. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely correct. I'm not. <laughs> is that what you heard? What, what is your question? You uh, suggest that you we should... should respect the sincerely held beliefs of all religious people. Their uh, religions are ridiculous, and some religions want me to die because I don't agree with them. Should I respect their sincerely held belief to behead me? Well, what we're talking about when we say respect doesn't mean that you agree with them, doesn't mean that you approve of it, doesn't mean that you're going to let them have their way. But they can express their beliefs. Uh, you're not stifling freedom of speech. 
Oh, yeah, I would. That, yeah, yeah. If you wanted to you? come on and say, you know, let's kill all the Jews or, or let's kill the heathens who refuse to believe in, in Islam, yeah, I would uh, control your freedom of speech, absolutely. Well, I, I would I respect don't want to control the people. Yours. Let me just I won't control rephrase yours. it another way. And we say this on the streets, is you should respect people, but challenge ideas. Yeah, I'm not true. saying you shouldn't challenge that's the true. idea. You should definitely challenge it, and I disagree with the morality of of kill a Muslim, kill a Jew wherever you find them, which is what the Quran says. Yeah, exactly. We both just, and, yeah, I, yeah, I don't respect that. And the Constitution, that. you know, uh, managed to treat uh, black people as uh, property and women as well. So you know, the, whatever Christianity we got out of the Constitution leaves a lot to be desired, don't you think? You know, there was an interesting. Uh, uh, conversation between Joe Rogan and just uh, Peterson, Dr. Peterson. Jordan, Jordan Peterson, Peterson. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, where Jordan went to the Museum of the Bible. Have you seen this clip? He went no. to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. and said he just figured something out. that Really, the, the Bible is the first book, the first codex that was put together. And then all other books kind of flowered out of that. And a lot of our morality, you know, he has the maps of meaning, he, he layers our morality in Western society upon the Bible in such a way that when he debated Sam Harris, for example, he said, like, you would, we, society would be lost if we tried to remove that foundation. Uh, let, the, let, the me foundations that society yeah, let me help you with this. I don't think that's true someone, at all. Hang on one second. Let me just get this out. When I see someone hurting another person or an animal, it's not God that tells me that's wrong. I have a feeling. I know it's wrong. I don't need your Ten Commandments or your morality. I'm born with it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. the, the, Thank you for the call, Billy. The laws of Hammurabi predate the Bible by centuries. Um, the Bible was firstly was hardly the first document to lay down um, a, a set of rules for people to live in a society, a civilized society. What is Hammurabi? Hammurabi. Hammurabi. What is that? Uh, it's one of the earliest attempts um, to codify um, actions of right and wrong and to enforce um, those through government. 2185726 is the text line. Um, the fact that we're arguing about morality proves that there's a moral lawgiver or something like that. Mm -hmm. What a pile of illogical nonsense. Did I hear that right? <laughs> That's a first Yes, text. you heard that right. It, so, it might, yeah, my claim, just to go back to what Billy Sunshine said, is... I'm not saying that atheists can't have morals or that you don't have morals. There's a lot of very moralistic atheists who are very pietistic about their moralism and superior, have a superiority complex to say that their morality is the best morality. Mm. Um, what I'm saying is that atheists don't have a foundation for that absolute morality because with the foundation of evolution and society is just getting to write whatever laws that they agree upon, that is a subjective morality, even if it's based on the majority of what's good for a majority of people or the pl pleasure of the most individuals, like Timothy has asserted. I'm saying that's not a objective standard. That's a relativistic standard. And what happens when that society, like in Nazi Germany, decides that it's best for the majority to eliminate the vermin 
of uh, inferior race. What you happens know, evolution when evolution is based on the uh, book? Uh, what know, happens Darwin. when people in America decide that the Bible was incorrect in its attitudes about slavery and decided that uh, current mores demand that people not be held in bondage? Well, that's a retelling, interesting retelling of history. It's actually Christians that uh, would cite the Bible to say that that cattle slavery is immoral. And some of the, the people who fought hardest against slavery in America, the American version of it, uh, were actually doing so on a Christian foundation, not based on, well, let's just follow the social mores of society. Because when you do that, you end up with mass slavery, you end up with mass murders, well, we did have mass and, and, slavery in this country, and and yeah. the the morals, uh, the the laws of this country um, changed over time as society made uh, different choices about what is right and wrong. So, at one time it was legal. Does that mean at one time it was right in America because that's what the social mores allowed for? Well, that that seems to be what you're arguing is that the no, foundation the is. Look, the Bible does not prohibit slavery anywhere, and in fact, even in the New Testament, Paul talks about. No, go back slaves. to you, you're you're trying to defend the idea that that current social mores determine right and wrong, and my question to you is: at the time that slave, slavery was legal, does that mean that it was right to have slaves? I don't think so. And, and what but I have right compassion and time. empathy. I have compassion and empathy too, and I realize that in, in our country, realized that they, we were making the wrong decisions there. Right, and that's so, not based on social mores. But it doesn't that, require religion to have compassion and, and empathy. I think it's the best foundation for it. I, I don't think evolution is a great. You don't see a, a cheetah eating a wildebeest and saying, "Man." You don't have enough compassion there. That's just the way it is. That's the way well, it works. I don't think evolution has anything to do with this discussion at all. It's not like your your only choices are between um, creationism and being a Christian or um, evolution and being an atheist. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot more possibilities than just those. So what, you, then where do you I'm get suggesting your that from? your foundation is flawed because the Bible does not condemn slavery and in fact seems to support it in many passages even if not in all of them. I know you're suggesting that, but you're still not defending your morality. If it depends on the time in which people decided things, that it was right at that time, then who are you to say from a modernist perspective that they're wrong? I have a foundation that doesn't change. The scriptures are the word of God, and it create, It says man and woman is created in the image of God. So it's okay and, to sell your daughter into slavery? No. I Would mean, the Bible says you can. <laughs> no. What you're trying to do is get me on the on the ropes and have to defend a position that I don't hold. Okay. The Bible, if you take the totality of Scripture, there's, and we've talked about slavery in the past, American slavery, slavery in the Bible. Uh, there's different. There's slavery in the Roman period. Let's talk New Testament. Okay. There was so much slavery in that first century when the church was formed. 
when Jesus was walking on the earth. And the New Testament is what Christians look to as Jesus is the authority, and the apostles fleshed out their, his teaching. And in the New Testament, you read the book of Philemon, and Paul is defending the case of freeing a slave there, who has who had a Christian slave uh, who was a Christian slave owner. He appeals to the master and says, uh, "Let him free." And in other verses in Galatians, it says, "It's it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't allow yourself to be entangled by the yoke of bondage." So Christians were in even in America were setting slaves free by by purchasing their freedom. There's nothing. Uh, at the time that was against that. You can purchase a slave and then set him free. Um, so that's one way that Christians have been fighting against what's called cattle slavery or kidnapping. You mean chattel slavery. Which happened, chattel slavery. So that, that is punishable by death, according to the Bible, when you uh, kidnap somebody and make them a slave. But I don't see no, a lot I of atheists think God commanded, human today. God commanded his his people to uh, um, enslave Canaanites. Well, you have to give me a chapter and verse. I don't think that's what he commanded. Is is it uh, to take an anti-slavery stance to say, well, you can buy and you can buy a slave and grant them their freedom? Is that a really hard stance against slavery. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's, you know. Let me back up a step and just say, I know your motivation, Timothy, is to remove Christian influence in reduce, politics. Not reduce. Reduce. And I'm, I'm all for limited government. The Bible does tell us that the government should be limited, but that God has given those in government to reward those who are doing good and punish those who are doing wrong. So there has to be some morality for the government to operate. And when it comes to, uh, what was your question, Dave? Sorry. It, it doesn't seem to me like a real hardline stance against slavery to say, well, you can buy a slave and set him free. It seems like a real hardline stance would be to say, you shall not enslave anybody. Well, here's the point of the Bible. It's not to be an oppressive rule book for every society to... To, to follow. And there may be some Christians that disagree with that. But it is to reform the heart, to change hearts that are re in rebellion against God. And that's the root of man not loving his neighbor. The commands of God are summarized in the two most important commandments, love God and love people. And you're not loving them. I mean, there were, there were cases in which a, a master has a slave who is love, loving him, mm -hmm. he's basically an employer providing a place for him to live, feeding him, not beating him, right. you know, even giving him a wife and letting him have children in the household. Right. So, How gracious. Very, diff very similar to what we call employment today. You're basically, I mean, services, that's, it's, it's a form of slavery, if you will. But people had the choice to stay with their master. And if they had a loving master and they wanted to stay a slave in the Bible after seven years, they've worked off their debt, then they can go free. All they had to do is have their ear pierced, and that was a sign that they were a slave to that loving master by choice, and they, they get to keep their position there in the household. So that's, that's very different than American slavery, and I'm not defending right. American slavery. 
Well, no, you can't say that that all of the slavery in the Bible was the sort of indentured servitude that you describe. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the Canaanites were free to leave. I don't think they had any place to go, even if uh, they thought they were free to leave. And certainly the issue of slavery is one of tradition for the Jewish people who claim that God released them from slavery to Egyptian masters. That's mm -hmm. something they could not have pulled off on their own. So the description of, of slavery, certainly when it applied in that context, was not what you're describing. Yeah. Well, I think it's a tactic of atheists to try and brand Amer Christians as people who are for slavery because in Canaan, in one generation, when God was judging the nations in the land of Canaan, God allowed them to kill and enslave those who wouldn't uh, submit to God. Now, I'm not, we're not advocating that in America. America is not the promised land. And so it's, it, it's putting a label on Christians I don't think is fair or, or genuine um, to try and paint us into that corner. I think if you're going to say that slavery is wrong, and you would say it's categorically wrong, absolutely, in every case? I would, yes. Okay. It, it, so you do have some form of objective morality. Again, I'm just going back to my main point, that only if there is a God can anyone recognize that there is an objective moral uh, in treating other people well. Because I'd... God commands, love your neighbor as yourself. And if there is no God, you don't have to do that. I disagree completely, I, and, and I think that you are contradicting yourself when you characterize my reasoning that way. It, you just said that I do have an objective standard for mm -hmm. that particular uh, moral basis, but then you say that I can't have it without God, yep. but, but I don't have God in my life. Actually, he exists. He is here. You're borrowing from our worldview whenever you make any objective claim to morality. No, I don't think that, yes. that you have the monopoly on objective morality. No, I, I don't, but God does. God is, God is the know. authority, and you only can appeal to uh, someone outside of yourself you know, at, when, to, when, to say there's a, an objective morality. When we get a phone call and the caller persuades us that it's God talking, then I'll believe it. But I'm not going to take your word for it because I, I have yet to meet anyone who has met anyone who truly talked to God. So why should I believe you that you say you don't have evidence for God? It's, it's all around you. I'm, I'm going to choose to believe in God who says that what can be known about God is evident to everyone, for God has made it plain to everyone through what he has made. You can deny all you want that God has revealed himself to you. But I'm suggesting what the Bible says is that there's an ulterior motive why people would deny God. But what boggles my mind is why you would still want to hold to an objective morality without a foundation for it. I think because it's because you've assumed the Christian worldview in some ways. Of course, you're obviously rejecting it in a lot of ways, but you want to take the good, that is the morality, um, and reject the foundation for it. And I think you're standing on midair.
479-1080. Let's see if we can fit another call in before we get to the break here. Downtown Owl, you're in the air, sir. Hey, I did want to say that, you know, there is an evolutionary basis for morality. Um, there's been a lot of study with, like, unselfish genes and showing that cooperation, at least w within a species or whatever, um, that, that there's a better outcome for survival of those genes. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't selfish genes, too, which means that you, you know, you could steal from others or whatever, compete for resources. But um, there has been a lot of scientific study in that, and even if you don't believe in the evolution, the idea of, like, mirroring neurons where you can take a person and wire up their head with a, an electroencephalogram, and you can w have them watch another person who's maybe suffering, and those same neurons will light up in the observer's head as they empathize with what's going on. Um, so there is a, a scientific evolutionary, evolutionary basis for morality to a certain extent, um, and they find it in a lot of different animals, uh, especially some of the primate studies where um, they give, might give one macaque a um, cucumber slice, and then he sees that his neighbor gets a grape, which is more desirable. He will refuse the cucumber slice the next time because he feels that he deserves to, you know, have that grape. But with that said, um, I think you're wrong, Timothy, in denying how much of an influence Christianity has been in helping build a more moral society. Um, even if we are animals, we're a very special type of animal. And Christianity has been really important through the centuries with all sorts of great thinkers debating and codifying and um, thinking about what morality is and how it should be handled. And uh, I, for one, am glad that I do live in a Christian country, and I do know some atheists and agnostics that are also grateful that they live in a Christian country because it happens to be one of the best countries in the world. And in, you know, Western Christian society, most of our moral stands, like doing away with slavery, are the result of Christian thought and morality. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for the call, Al. Thank you. I will admit my ignorance about the science that you described and appreciates learning something. All right, and Brenton, tell us the name of your website. Uh, OACNorCal.org. I have a concert to promote as well. Do you Actually, really? Yes, I'm going to be helping wow, with, hear about it. with sound for a whole long day full of Christian artists in uh, at Aptos Village Park on the next Saturday after Timothy's concert, July hmm. 30th. We're going to be having eight different bands playing uh, from different Calvary chapels and Celebrate Recovery and Teen Challenge and other independent artists. So if you like Christian music or any music, regardless of Christian or non-Christian, you'll love the True Love Festival happening in Aptos. Is that a free event? It is totally free. And the pizza is wow. even going to be free. What? At lunchtime. All right. Yep. Wow. I think they're bringing pizza. There's going to be, it's going to be catered and everything is free. Provided at the generosity of uh, Christians in the community. So, yeah, I want to invite everyone out to that. True love. You notice that wasn't atheists, Timothy, putting this on? <laughs> yeah, I did notice that, yeah. 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 All right, let's get out to the text messages here. Um, let me see. Um, Christianity doesn't have to be true to be helpful or historically significant. Says Agreed. Somebody here. What if I took the opposite position? 
uh, Christianity has to be true to be helpful. <laughs> I actually yeah, the I Bible, don't agree with that. The Bible says that if Christ is not risen from the grave, then we Christians are the most to be pitied. We're willing to entertain the idea that if it's not true, then what would you have? You have a society not based on any, without a God uh, who can raise the dead, and what hope is there? It w- I think it would reduce to nihilism. Do you want my pity? No, it's not nihilism. Listen, um, I, I grew up in a, a Baptist church, uh, not Southern Baptist, but American Baptist. And there was still quite a bit of discussion about hell, eternal fire, damnation. And this was problematic for me as a child and continued after I had renounced Christianity and become agnostic. And I really wasn't free of that indoctrination until I decided that I was atheist. And it's far more comforting to me to believe that when I die, I'm just dead and that there is not eternity to have to endure or to be servient to a God that demands worship because, I don't know. Because he's worthy of worship. Or he's insecure. He's No, he's not insecure. But go ahead. You're characterizing your story, why you reject the Bible, particularly American Baptists. I certainly don't want to be cast into a, a lake of fire. I don't want you to be either. Um, I think a lot of Christians do. They're they're excited about Judgment Day because they want to see people punished. Well, I'm not real familiar with the American Baptists, but all the Christians that I know, when we talk about the eternal destiny of those who have rejected God's offer of salvation and forgiveness, we grieve. You know, the Bible even itself even says God doesn't take delight in the death of the wicked. He would rather that they turn and live. And that's what we are. We're not saying we're better than other people. We are wicked. And until we come to the recognition that we've all broken God's law and deserve an eternity to pay back God for rejecting his his eternal life, that hell does make sense when you think about God being eternal and offering a way for us to be saved. And still we reject it and call him things like insecure. You know, I think that only reveals a uh, disrespect toward the God who gave us life, that we, you know, maybe it's the justice of God that he allows us to speak this way. But, uh, and then in the end, we'll, we will give an account for every thought, word, and deed that we did against him. So we don't delight in the death of the wicked. God doesn't want any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Daniel and I have been laboring for this for more than a decade because God doesn't want people to perish in hell forever. He sends missionaries all over the world. I myself have lived as a missionary in Latvia, in Ukraine, and in uh, Hungary for 11 years because of compassion. I've, and I've been sent and supported by other Christians, like at this True Love Music Festival, people who want to even sacrifice their material goods so that those who don't know Christ would have an opportunity to come to know him. That's love. It doesn't come from a place of insecurity. God is worthy of worship. And the saddest thing is when we don't recognize him as worthy and we worship, rather than the creator, we worship created things like animals or an image of man or or just our own intellect. God is the most and only wise God. And so if you want to have wisdom, it has to start with acknowledging he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
So Dave, I'm hoping that you keep seeking him. Where are you at in reading your Bible these days? You were going to read it all the way through. Where are you at? I am still going to, I'm still going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And um, boy, you know, I haven't gotten much past the last time I spoke with you, Brenton. I'm still, geez, right. don't ask me that. Okay. I'm, I'm very, very close. I'm very, very close to the it's end. It's been four years. You can do it this year. I know, dude. I know. Well, I'll have it done by the end of next month. Let's read it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so close. But uh, Let's read through it together. I'd love to, love to spend time with you and study it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Um, definitely of, do that. Of course, people could listen to our show, Dwell on Truth. We're studying through the Gospel of John right now. And I'd, I'd highly recommend for people to, before rejecting Christianity, why don't you read it, the text for yourself? Don't judge Christianity based off what an atheist says about it. Uh, slavery and and those things don't really right don't encapsulate what the whole of Christianity is about. I agree. I encourage people to do their own research, their own reading, and give it thought. Um, I myself studied ancient Greek in college so that I could read the New Testament in the original Koineia. Can you do that? Not anymore. Yeah. I don't know how to read Greek, but I know how to read the commentators that read Greek. And I have the, mm -hmm. the Greek, I always compare the English translation to the Greek words that are being used. So I do know some Greek words, but no, I couldn't read it. Just I had Bible college teachers that could read Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And man, it was neat to see them read directly from their Greek or Hebrew scriptures. And by the way, a lot of people undermine the authority of the Bible by saying, oh, you can't trust it because it's been translated so many times. It's not like the game of telephone. It's translated directly from the original Hebrew language in the Old Testament case, or the New Testament, which was Koine Greek, Common Greek, which uh, can still be understood. This text message, I think, questions the literal... Um actions or literal uh, events of the Bible. Um, it's much like the way Jesus is said to have made up stories to teach moral lessons. Those things didn't really happen, but their telling still had value. Maybe the whole story of Jesus works the same way, like a big old parable. I like that idea. Hmm. I, I don't have a problem with the teachings of Jesus and I think you and I would probably agree that we wish that more Christians would actually follow those teachings. I am not convinced that um, Yeshua ben Joseph actually existed as he's described in the four Gospels. Yeshua ben Joseph? He's never called that in the Bible. He's uh, Jesus of Nazareth. He was not the biological son of Joseph, but of Mary and the Son of God by uh, mir miraculous conception well, there. Depends on depends on who you ask. In what did you just call the Gospel him, of Matthew, he traces his lineage through Joseph back to King David. That would be a legal line, right? Because the the kingdom had to be passed down to David's descendants, and God promised in I think it's Second Samuel chapter seven that there wouldn't be that there would be a descendant of King David who would sit on the throne of, of David forever. And so, yes, le legally, Jesus's uh, legal guardian, uh, as on the father's side, would be Joseph. Um, and so, Jesus had the right to the to, to the claim of the throne there. But biologically, Mary was also a descendant of David. You know, a thousand years later, you can follow the different lines. Some people say there's a contradiction between Matthew and Luke's genealogy. Luke gives Mary's genealogy. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would also argue that uh, under this reading, 
Jesus is the product of statutory rape, but I'm guessing you probably don't want to go along with that. No, because there was no sex involved when, when he was conceived. She was a virgin. Thus, we call her the Virgin Mary. Well, Timothy, what do you say about that? Because you can't, you, you can't possibly agree that, that that's possible. Well, if, if you're going to take the position that God is omnipotent, which I believe Brenton is doing, yep. then you can attribute to him any sort of impossible thing, right? Sure. You could argue that he can create a stone so heavy that he can't lift it, right? Yeah, but to, to imply that that was rape would be... Um, well, that's insulting and, and blasphemous, to be honest. And also, the, the, the belief that God is omnipotent doesn't mean he can do anything, period. It means he can do anything that is consistent with his nature, anything consistent with who he is. For example, the Bible actually says God cannot do some things, like God cannot lie. Since he is the God of truth, everything he says is true. So therefore, he cannot lie. Since he is good, he he cannot be tempted with evil. The Bible says he 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 does not love evil. He loves what is good. So it's a fallacy to say that God can do anything, even lift a rock so heavy that uh, he can't lift a rock that he can lift. That's just a it's just word games. So yeah, be um, be careful of that. Those logical fallacies. Well, omnipotent. If if someone's omnipotent, can't they not only I mean, can't they do everything, including lie? All-powerful is what omnipotent means. He has all power. But mm-hmm. he has other characteristics, too, like he is all good. So is it, it is wrong So that means he has the power to cast Satan down, but he's just choosing to wait until the right time and allow Satan to influence the world today. He has already cast Satan out from heaven, according to Jesus. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But there is coming a day when he will totally destroy Satan's, uh, crush Satan's head, as it says. Yeah, I, don't, I couldn't find that verse. There's coming a time. Um, Romans sixteen nineteen. Okay. John and SoCal, thank you for your call. You're in the air. Yes, thank you, gentlemen, for the great show. Um, uh, on uh, Timothy, you were talking about the uh, eternal damnation in hell. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I don't embrace that belief. Uh, even um, even if you think of John three sixteen, it says uh, you know, that uh, God so loved the world, who believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the perish command, uh, perishing, all of us perish physically. Mm. Well, but I, and there are a lot of other verses that would indicate that that eternal damnation is for Satan and his minions. So I would take that position. Personally, I take that position. Do you believe the entire? That's something that keeps you. Do you believe the entirety? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Of the Bible, or uh, could it be possible that you're cherry picking John three sixteen? Well, I've I've seen literally dozens of, of verses that indicate death and an end for those who don't accept Christ. Okay. Well, can I give you some verses that indicate that there that hell is a place of eternal conscious torment? Uh, Ooh, that yes. sounds like lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would probably have to. Um... It's not a matter of wishful thinking. I would I would prefer that people didn't go to eternal conscious torment, but there there are some people like just called. Thank you for calling in, by the Thank way. Thank you, John. I had an hour and a half long debate this morning with a, a brother of mine who 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 is being swayed to that position. So I, I know it's not a uh, position that is popular, but uh, there are scriptures that would indicate that 
When you die, there is life after death. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed for a man once to die and after this the judgment. And Revelation does talk about the lake of fire that Satan will be cast into that burns forever and ever. Jesus talked about hell. He said that it was created for the devil and his angels. But like when you push somebody into a pool, their goal is not to just not fall into the pool, but to drag you in as well. Satan is trying to drag as many people with him into hell as he possibly can. Not because he rules there, because that's a caricature that's not true, but because he hates God and he doesn't, he's, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that as the father of lies by deceiving people about all of these topics we're talking well, about wait a today. I don't recall him deceiving people he he told eve the truth in the garden of eden so you're the he devil's told advocate jesus the truth yeah exactly i'm the i'll be the devil's advocate satan is a much uh, more pleasant character in the bible than than god well you've chosen the wrong team my friend well uh, maybe uh, i guess we'll find out when we die how, how do you say how can you say that he told eve the truth what are you talking about what are you referencing the uh, the tree of knowledge um, God said, there's this one tree that you're not allowed to eat the fruit from. Mm -hmm. And Satan appeared in the form of a serpent and told Eve that if she did, she would become knowledgeable. And he was correct. Hmm. I think you're gravely mistaken. The whole of the moral problem we have in the world today is because of the fall of man and woman into sin and rebellion against God, choosing to obey Satan's... Too much knowledge, huh? No, choosing to believe Satan's lies rather than to believe God at his word. In the day you eat it, you will surely die. And they died spiritually that day. And there is a second death destined for everybody on this earth who doesn't receive salvation before they die. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he said that because the world is already condemned and he came to save. So if you distance, if you pick the side of Satan, that's the wrong team, my friend. God loves you and wants you to be saved. I don't believe in Satan. Brenton Powers, thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. God bless you, Dave. This is KSEO. So that is the end of our recap of the Flight 1080 show when we did the show back in July. I'm sure there's lots of remaining questions. Daniel and I will be happy to tackle. Let us know your questions. OACNorCal at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Dwell on Truth. Tune in again next time. We'll be giving biblical truths from the Gospel of John. May God richly bless you as you continue to dwell on the truth according to the scriptures.